Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. My name is Mark Sirianis. I'm your host. I'm a third Don Black Belt, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine. Today on our show, we have Dan Mason. Dan is a Taekwondo Black Belt, as well as a practitioner of Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, He's a former professional kickboxer and MMA competitor, and he has transitioned into the world of elite powerlifting, national-level strongman competition, and coaching and working with athletes. More significantly than any of uh, his accolades, I think you'll, you'll come to hear in this interview that Dan has a great understanding of human physiology he has a great understanding of what is needed to achieve maximum performance and to set a workout and weight-related or cardiovascular regimen towards your goal. I think that he is a tremendous asset to Taekwondo practitioners looking to achieve excellence in their practice and in, in their performance. I enjoyed speaking with Dan you can follow him. We'll we'll put his information in the show notes. Um, he can be followed on Instagram at strongman underscore Dan. And I hope you enjoy this show. And I hope you get something out of Dan's words of wisdom. Today on our show, we have Dan Mason. Dan is coming to us from the Midwest. He is got quite an impressive background, and we're going to go through that a little bit. He has a black belt in Taekwondo. He has trained in uh, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, MMA, and he has, has trained and competed in the area of powerlifting, and he is a national-level strongman competitor. And he's currently competing in powerlifting and coaching athletes of various disciplines. So, Dan, I want to thank you for talking to us, and welcome to the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. Definitely uh, pumped about it. Well, it's my pleasure. So you have a, a very varied background, but let's, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your, how you got involved in all of these initiatives, um, and we'll break it down a little bit. So, so how did you wh- and when did you get involved in martial arts and, and some of the lifting that you've been doing? Right on. Uh, yeah, so I got involved in martial arts way back when I was about 11. Um, I was always real small growing up, um, and we uh, we lived in Detroit, and so there was there was a lot of issues I was having, and uh, parents wanted me to get into it just, I mean, to kind of build the self-confidence side, but then to be able to at least try to defend myself a little bit because it wasn't going that great at the time. That makes sense, and that is, you know, it falls into a number of categories as to how people end up in, in, in martial arts and, and certainly, you know, self-defense and, and the building of confidence is, is definitely one of them. And, and when you got involved in, in the martial arts at that point, which martial art was that? What was the first martial uh, art you, 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 you got involved with? So uh, officially it was Taekwondo. Uh, the guy that ran the, uh, the place name was Sam Cosmica and he was actually a, uh, 
competitive kickboxer and was uh, one of the better guys in the world at the time in like the 140 whatever weight class that was. Um, so in practicality, it was very kickboxing oriented. Like we did a lot of uh, uh, not point sparring, but like continue round sparring. Um, sure. But forms wise and things of that nature, uh, we followed through the Taekwondo. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the, was, is ITF, is that the one that's based in Toronto? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So we were, we were the ITF forms. Oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. And from there, you ended up, you, you got your black belt, and I see you've uh, studied a lot of other martial arts. How did, how did that come to be? Um, yeah, what was the relationship so, there? So I got into uh, the kickboxing side of, of things uh, basically from the beginning there was just good at it and the amount of sparring that we did and the amount of contact we did. Uh, just kind of seemed to have a knack for it. Um, and like with anything you dig, you're just going to dive headlong into hardcore if you're, if you're decent at it. Um, so sure. from there, uh, we, when I was in high school, we moved to Indiana and I got involved with a couple other instructors, uh, and started competing, uh, the Olympic style. So, uh, continuous sparring and then they tally points at the end. And then just, I still always remembered kickboxing was a competitive thing I could do. Uh, so when I turned 18, uh, in 2000, um, I had my first, uh, kickboxing amateur match and then, uh, had my first pro match in 2001. Oh, wow. That was great. So, so you, you, you know, people get involved in uh, martial arts and obviously there's various aspects as, as you pointed out, you know, there's the sparring part, there's the part, you know, the forms, there's right. board breaking, there's a number of things, but, but people have different things that they're drawn to. Sometimes it's a product of the fact that it's what their school emphasized. And sometimes it's just simply right. a product of what they, uh, you know, what they enjoy and, and what they feel like they get the most out of. So it seems to me that sparring was, was your was the area that you seemed to to really uh, focus on and gravitate towards that, that definitely right? and I think I think part of that maybe just because it was such a uh, focus and the first school that I was in uh, but then there's just something that I've there's something to be competitive and you can compete with forms and breaking and things but competing at the same time against another person to see who's better uh, was just something that that appealed to me there that makes sense. And how did you find the kickboxing world and the the rigors that you went through in 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 terms of of that? I mean that's 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 a pretty rigorous uh, circuit, and there's there are certainly some very very you know historically some some very significant folks that have uh, participated in the uh, kickboxing arena. So man, I tell you what, back then it was it was you know a different world than K1 and stuff like that. I don't even know if K1's a thing anymore, but um, than than it is now. Um, so the amateur one was, was kind of just a, a random, uh, saw a flyer kind of thing and said, yeah, I remember doing this, um, and, and hit up, uh, a couple of my instructor people that I knew and they said, yeah, well, you got to talk to this person, this person, um, and just ended up getting, getting a match there, um, and then excelled in it. And then there was one, see, I don't even know if you call it professional in 2001, um, cause it was, it, there was money at it, but it wasn't like a super organized thing. I'm sure. To tell you the truth at this point, I don't even know if it was like an official sanctioned thing or just some underground shield that got together. It was a right, different right. world back there 20 years ago. And I, and I think that there's a lot of that in terms of, of, of kickboxing. I see that um, while there are some major organizations that there are a lot of, um, splinter groups and there are a lot of different places that, competitive kickboxing 
occurs uh, that aren't necessarily affiliated with some of the largest of right. the kickboxing, you know, organizations. Unfortunately, I think the the the, the downside is that um, you know, from a financial standpoint, um, it's not necessarily as lucrative as oh, yeah. some of the other some of the other uh, competitive. You know, obviously, Taekwondo is in a different category because of the fact that. It, it, it doesn't fall into the category where, where people are, it's not a money-making There's not uh, from that perspective competitively. Right. But from it's, the standpoint of, you know, boxing or MMA, kickboxing tends to be a little bit underrepresented financially from, from, from what I see. hundred percent. And I mean, for me, it wasn't even about like, hey, I'm a professional, whatever. It wasn't anything like that. It was just, um, I'd been doing a lot of the Olympic style uh, Taekwondo competitions and it just kind of seemed like the next evolution of competition. Um, I was always pretty good at hands, uh, pretty good at feet too, of course, coming with the Taekwondo background. Sure. Um, but in Taekwondo sparring, I mean, you can technically get a point for a clean punch, uh, but rarely you don't actually get a point for a clean punch. You know, you can still use them, and I did um, to sure. wear people down to make the kicking side easier. But I was like, hey, I can actually get real points for hitting people with my hands. Okay, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. It was, uh, it was, it was, uh, it's a very, it's a, it's a different world. And, and my perspective on, on the well, kickboxing, sport. it is, it's a very good uh, complement in to some degree to some Taekwondo and traditional Taekwondo training because it does give you a, uh, it does give you a very good sense of um, use of the hands, which, Taekwondo tends to de-emphasize, and I also found that you know being in uh, doing kickboxing that many of the rules uh, for for kickboxing that there are uh, minimum kick numbers per round that that are needed, and right. many of the guys that that are involved in it are better with the hands, not as good with the feet, and that if you have proficiency with your hands and with your feet, that you can be very dominant in in that arena for that reason. Yeah, and and especially. Um, hands are going to be thrown quicker than feet. I know the point systems are different, um, but you see it in kickboxing, at least back when I was following it, you're probably seeing five, six, seven, ten punches for every one kick almost. Sure. Uh, And it's, I mean, points that up and all, but hands to wear people down, kicks to land some big shots, and then you got, you know, international rules versus American rules as far as you can do leg kicks and things. Um, Just the game changes quite a bit and and don't get me wrong i love taekwondo and i I competed taekwondo for a long time uh but it's it's a very different sport it it certainly is it certainly is so tell me a little bit about you you have um in terms of your uh athletic commitment and in terms of the things that you've done if we look in the in the realm of traditional martial arts and kickboxing it's it's a you have a pretty significant resume but there's an, a whole other side to, to your to your training and to your 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 physical aspect. When we start talking about the powerlifting and things of that nature, strongman competition, powerlifting competitions. So tell me, where does that come in? Is that something that comes in um, along the way, or is it something so that, that comes kinda, in after? It kind of came in uh, when I started training for MMA. There was more focus on um, a little more strength training and just body conditioning overall. Um, you're having to deal with the wrestling side of things. So the strength thing started to matter a little more, but even then I wasn't really training for strength. It was more like muscle endurance type things just cause that's a bigger variable. Um, so it really wasn't until I got out of competitive martial arts, um, that I started delving into that. Um, I'd found CrossFit, which was kind of similar to the types of weights and conditioning stuff we were doing. 
Um, and then through CrossFit, I found that uh, uh, I was much better at the strength side of that sport than the metabolic conditioning side, just a little more naturally gifted, uh, especially in like the pressing movements. So found Strongman, which was uh, basically like competitive manual labor, which is fun. Um, and then uh, kind of got a little little more pigeonholed and a little more specific and got into powerlifting, which is just the competition of uh, your one rep max on squat, bench press, and deadlift. So that was kind of the evolution through there. That's, a, that, that's pretty significant. So that is a, um, a, a very different kind of, or is it? I, I'm, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not sure. Is that, is that a very different kind of commitment uh, from the type of training that you were doing before as it relates to kickboxing and, and, and martial arts? Is it, is it a different kind of a, uh, very, a uh, very different, very much less athletic? <laughs> um, I always joke that powerlifting is the only sport where you get penalized for being athletic. Like if you stand up with a squat and it's so light that it pops off your shoulders, knocks you off balance, and you take a step to catch yourself, it doesn't count right. because you moved your feet. You know, if your foot oh, moves wow. on the bench press, it doesn't count because you moved your feet. I'm like, so if you attempt to do anything close to athletic, nope, doesn't count. So, uh, but it's, it's fun in its own ways. And definitely getting stronger in big compound movements isn't going to hurt um, your performance in, in martial arts. It's just a matter of keeping mobility and not putting up so much weight that you end up in a weight class you didn't want to be in. That's very interesting. That's interesting. And that, and that sort of is, you know, when we have people who have experience in more than one cross training or, or more than one type of area of development, it gives us a good opportunity to sort of pick people's brains because, you know, people that are, that strictly are in the martial arts maybe don't have as much of a, a sense uh, as to they may do a little bit of, of uh, weight training and a little bit of uh, development. But uh, I've always been curious about speed and power production. How, yeah, and how and how does that really play along? And, and you you raise one issue, which is that obviously I guess you know muscle being uh, heavy. Yeah, that you could have find yourself in a situation where it changes your weight class. But let's put that aside, just in terms of mm-hmm. general training, flexibility, things of that na- nature. Um, how do you find, or how did you find, that uh, the development of strength through weight training impacted on those things? Your ability to stretch, your um, ability to uh, be flexible, and 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 to have speed in in doing any types of, of, of martial arts work. Gotcha. Um, so there's, there's a couple, I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting points to hit on here. Um, but I guess probably a big thing to focus on first uh, would be power development. So basically how hard and fast your, your muscles can contract. Uh, if you're like trying to do a vertical jump or a max squat, how hard and quick they, they flex is going to be a huge impact on what weight you can move or how high you can jump. Uh, it's, if you weighed the same as a bear and had the same size muscles as a bear, the bear would still tear you up because their muscles contract about 10 times harder and faster than a human muscle because the amount of fibers they have cross-sectionally is totally different right. than ours. So training that kind of thing is going to be a huge boon to any explosive kind of behavior. Um, and that also is kind of training that's not really going to put on a lot of size so when you look at bodybuilders that have giant muscles but aren't necessarily lifting the same weights as 
power lifters um, or Olympic lifters. It's because there's, there's two ways to get a bigger muscle. You can get it by increasing the amount of muscle fibers in the actual muscle, um, which will help you contract harder, or you can grow sarcoplasmic hypertrophy is what it's called. It's basically the fluid inside the muscle cell, basically filling the muscle cell gas tank with gas. And the more gas that's in it, the bigger the cell is. So the bigger the muscle is, it'll help it endure longer, but it's not necessarily going to help it contract harder and faster. Um, so the way you approach that training is going to be very dependent on what your goals are for your specific sport. So if you're talking to someone who's full contact, MMA or kickboxing or Muay Thai or whatever, it could be pretty beneficial to get some meat on you just from a shock absorbing body armor standpoint. But if you're talking more like point style Taekwondo where speed is going to matter more and yeah, you're going to be getting hit pretty hard, but it's like, for lack of a better term, a little more of a game of tag. It may not matter as much compared to the explosiveness of the movement. And it's just trying to find threading the needle of, of both, but in a way that helps. That is very, um, I think that's very enlightening. I think that's very helpful. So, so I guess sort of to back into that, then your weight training as a supplement, if you were to look at it overall to what it is that you were doing or trying to accomplish on the other end, whether it be from kickboxing or MMA, uh, the idea that the, the greatest idea would be to understand what your goal is and Correct. then to, to develop the, the, the weight training program and the weight training regimen. Exactly. And probably the best book ever written on, on the subject of, of training fighters, and you can pigeonhole it to what specific fighting style you're doing. Uh, it's a book by Joel Jameson. Oh, it's like ultimate MMA training or, or some kind of sensational, almost dumb title. But it is amazing on breaking down those concepts um, and if you say, okay, I'm having an athlete that's very explosive, um, but they're, they don't have good muscle endurance, how you could weave some strength training in to help that. And it kind of hits all the cylinders of that. It's a very cool book for people in martial arts, especially, um, but then even for people who are just doing strength training, it's, it's a very good eye-opening book. But yeah, the first part is you got to figure out what your goal is, what style of competition you're going to want to do, and then decide what kind of training makes sense from a a supplemental uh, level too. I think uh, an issue people have sometimes is um, they look at, oh, you know, I'm going to add weights into my training because it's going to help, but they don't think of it as supplementation to your practice and skills training. They almost take it to become the primary thing. And then the, the, uh, the actual skill of Taekwondo becomes secondary. And that's, I think, where people get into trouble. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, it, it, listening to you speak, you seem to have a great understanding of physiology and biology and of body chemistry and obviously of, you know, based on the things that we talked about. So where did that come from in terms of your, your understanding? Was that a, a product of the fact that you became and developed an education as you try to reach certain goals? Does it come from your, your schooling? Does it, where, where does that come from? Because uh, we didn't really talk about it uh, really in, in, in the information that I had ahead of time, but it's real evident to me that you have a great understanding of the, of, of the human body and, and of, these, of these issues. Gotcha. So, uh, man, I appreciate that. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so there's no schooling behind it for me, unfortunately. I, I, 
thank people that go into school and learn that. Like, I think it's a, a great boon. And if I was to do it over again, I probably would have done that. But I tell you what, when I get into something, I get way too obsessed and deep dive into it. So when I could see the alterations in performance based on other stuff I'm going to do, I'm going to dive super deep into it. Um, and the way the internet is, like you can. Uh, the trick is just kind of disseminating um, what's good information and what's just junk out there that someone's trying to sell. And that just comes with experience and time. So as I was trying to develop into more of a strength athlete, you end up learning a lot about that sort of thing, uh, which is something I unfortunately hadn't discovered at all during my uh, martial arts career, and I'm sure it would have aided had I discovered it sooner. But, yeah, it's uh, lots of reading, lots of podcasts, lots of uh, reaching out to people in the industry and, and talking shop. Well, that's great. I mean, that's great. And, and listen, I'm a big believer that, you know, knowledge comes from uh, desire and passion. And, again, you're 100% right. Um, putting yourself in a situation, whether it be formal or informal, to gather good information, absorb it, and then do a little bit more than that, right, which is you utilizing it. But it seems that from the perspective that you're in now, that you're now in a position that you're not simply utilizing it for your own development and your own um, practice, but that you are working with other athletes to be able to sort of help them to bypass uh, the trials and tribulations of of learning that information the way that you did, you're, you're you're able to bring that knowledge to them. So how did that how did that come about? How did you come to start working with um, other athletes, and what type of athletes are you working with, and 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 what do you what are you working with them on? Yeah, so I mean, I've always enjoyed once I'm decently knowledgeable about something, trying to share my knowledge with other people that are interested in it too. Um, even when I was when I was doing martial arts, I was always uh, you know, kind of the assistant instructor guy um, in a lot of the classes I was taking. So it definitely started kind of early on. Um, and then as far as the uh, getting involved coaching at this point, um, a lot of it comes from I'll be competing at a competition and I'll, I'll do well. And uh, people kind of get talking shop with me, uh, kind of like we are now. Um, and, and you can tell when someone knows what they're talking about and when they're blowing smoke, you know. I feel like most people have a good barometer of that, especially if it's I agree with that. that are actively competing in the thing you're talking to them about. <laughs> um, sure. And definitely. So uh, I, I got in with uh, some football players uh, just because the lifting thing. You know, football players are wanting to get big and strong. Sure. Uh, that led me to thinking and looking a little more into the performance side uh, as far as building power, um, how to build sustained power over, over longer Time domains, granted with football, you're talking, you know, 20-second plays, 30-second plays, but it's still longer than, you know, doing a bench press. Um, so that led to more research on that front. And, and once people started having good results, you know, word travels. Um, but I would say the majority of the folks I'm working with right now are people who compete in strength sports. Um, I have a few guys um, that are thinking about MMA. <laughs> Um, okay. I've had a few high school football guys talking shop. That's great. I mean, I think that that is a terrific use of your skills and, and, and your knowledge to, to benefit other people. And I think that uh, it really is impressive that you have a, an ability to, it seems to me that you have a really good ability to adapt the program to the goal, right? So we right. talked a little bit earlier about, uh, well, 
the use of uh, weight training as it relates to to martial arts but it seems that now in, in in talking to you that you have that ability to to broaden that so whether it be uh martial arts weightlifting or football or or, or anything so if someone were to come to you with a, a specific type of a a goal that you would have the ability to tailor a a training program for for them that you know that would suit that that ultimately what their desire was yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I mean, I've I've learned from just some physiolo- physiology gods out there. Um, one guy that I've corresponded with a little little bit is uh, Doctor Dot Pat Davidson on on Instagram. He he breaks everything down to like all athletic movement into about nine different patterns. Um, and and so basically, once you understand those patterns, kind of fulfill every athletic movement, whether it's a you know, spinning, spinning back kick, uh, roundhouse, uh, throwing a cross, pushing a bench press, doing a power clean or, or dragging a sled in strongman. Um, they're all going to be mirroring different pieces of that. Um, and then you just have to understand the different energy systems. So if I'm doing something that lasts 20 seconds, it's going to demand very different things from my body than doing a three minute round. Um, so just kind of understanding those variables. And once you understand kind of that basic physiology of how energy systems work and how movement works, it, it shouldn't be that difficult to apply it to a specific sport. That's great. I mean, it, you seem very bold and very fearless in, in, in that regard. And, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why you're, you're successful. Um, let me ask you a little bit about, uh, you know, in, in the interest of time, we don't have a, a tremendous amount of time left, but I'm curious For to sure. know – um, about uh, cardiovascular work. So um, tell me about, do, in terms of the people that you're working with or in terms of yourself, you, you've sort of gravitated towards um, w- more towards uh, the weight side. But how right. are, you, are, you, are you working in, um, or does it depend on the athlete that, you, that you're working with, um, the other types of, of things, that, the other types of workouts um, that would that would not necessarily be only related to, to strength, but be related to overall conditioning, cardiovascular sure. health, um, and things of that nature. Does does that play into your, your the programs that for yourself or for the athletes you work with? For my personal program, it depends what I'm training for. Um, if I'm training for powerlifting, there's basically none of it. If I'm training for strongman, um, the longest event's 90 seconds. So it's basically, can you go pedal the metal? for 60 seconds, 90 seconds, um, and kind of train that domain. Uh, now when you're talking um, combat athletes or even general health people, um, there's basically two kinds of cardio, well, three, but really two kinds of cardio that you can train. Um, if you just break it down to as simple as running sprints or like doing a, you know, 20 seconds on the heavy bag as hard as you can, versus going for a jog for 30 minutes. They work the heart. They both work the heart, but they work them in very different ways. Um, So the short burst training is going to work how hard your heart muscle can contract to push muscle out or to push blood out hard and fast and efficiently. And then the second way where you're just doing more steady state cardio, kind of like if you're uh, later rounds of of a sparring match, where everybody's kind of slowed down and you get, you know, a kick or two here or there. Um, but in general, there's a little bit of dancing around going on. That kind of training is going to teach your heart how to fill more completely with blood. 
So it'll take in more blood volume and pump out more blood volume per pump, whereas the burst training pumps it harder. Um, so that's two ways to train it. And for combat athletes, um, it's going to need, you're going to need both because you have to be able to have the general heart health and condition um, to where you can take in a large blood volume per pump, but then you still need the go factor of a quick, hard pump to get the blood going where it needs to go uh, to, to shoot in and, and throw a couple strikes, you know? Um, so, and that's, that's laid out real good in Joel Jameson's book. Um, that's actually where I got basically all that knowledge from is from uh, the books and then the couple of times that I've, I've chatted with them online a few years ago. Well, that's great. That's all really very helpful. So tell yeah. me what is in store for you for the upcoming year. We're early, we're early in a new year. We're early in the new decade. What is in store for Dan Mason for the upcoming 2020 and for the new decade? What, what, what do you yeah. have in store for, your, for yourself personally, professionally, competitively? Well, uh, first thing, getting married this year um, in October. Oh, congratulations. So that's the big thing, but it's definitely uh, screwed up my competition dates because we're getting married uh, the same weekend of either Strongman Nationals or Powerlifting Worlds. So I'm, I'm out on both of those. Um, <laughs> All right. The only competition I have on horizon is I have one up here in March. Um, kind of messed up my knee, so I can't really squat much right now. Uh, but they do what's called a push-pull meet, where you just do the bench press and the deadlift. Uh, so I'm, I'm knocking out that 500-pound bench press in March and then pull probably right about 700 pounds on the deadlift. But that's the only competitive thing I got going this year. Um, but next year, uh, we'll shoot to do another trip to Worlds. Uh, let's see, it's in Ireland this year. I'm not sure where it is next year. Um, so at least two competitions next year for powerlifting, and I'll probably squeeze a strong man in there because it's fun. Oh, that's great. That's great, and congratulations on, on, on getting married and, and on yeah. all these things. And if somebody wants to get in touch with you or f find out um, two things. First of all, if somebody wants to follow a little bit of your of your journey and and find out a little bit about what you are up to, but if somebody wants to get in touch with you to find out about your, you know, using get, getting your assistance and and trying to help them meet their athletic goals, what would be the best ways for the for them to do that? Uh, whether it be through social media or YouTube or um, a website, yeah. what what would be the best points of contact? And what we'll do is we'll we'll include those if. Uh, in, you know, in our show notes so that people will Perfect. be able to access them easily. Yeah, definitely. Um, so best place to hit me up to, to see what I'm doing or to uh, talk shop about training. I mean, you don't have to hire me as a coach if you just have a couple questions. And I, I love shooting, shooting the crap about training because that's, uh, I mean, that's how I learned is, is finding people in industry and, and bouncing ideas off of them. Uh, but you can find me at strongman underscore Dan on Instagram. Um, and you know, if we do decide to, you know, get me on as a, as a coach to, to help you out as an athlete, I mean, that's great too. Uh, I do everything customized from nutrition to training, video analysis. I'm always available by text is usually the quickest way to get me once you're a client. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't take on a ton of clients. Um, and I do that because I have a real job. Um, and because I want to make sure the people that I do have are actually getting good service. Um, the industry is pretty rife with folks that'll shoot you over a training template and then you'll never hear from them again for 12 weeks. <laughs> so trying not to be that right. guy. Well, that's, that's great. And, and it's quite obvious to me in the, in the short time that we've had together uh, that you are a serious professional. Um, I, I was really 
uh, fascinated by your, uh, your 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 grasp and your understanding of of uh, the things that you're talking about. I think you're 100 percent right, and in, in you hit the nail on the head early. Is that um, you know you really can can intuitively tell when somebody um, knows and understands what they're talking about, or when they're just simply trying to sell you a line of uh, 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 you know bill of goods. And it's obvious to me that you fall into that, uh, you know, the former, not the latter. And, and, and hey, I'll take it. And that's, and, and that's impressive. And, and I, you know, I know for we have a lot of folks that, that run the, um, the gamut in terms of whether they be people who are Olympic track athletes right. or whether they be folks that are, uh, you know, just all around martial artists or people that are um, training for just better, better health or better life. Uh, and 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 they've benefited a lot over the course of the last year or so from people who are non-traditional martial artists like yourself, who um, a lot of the work that you do helps them to improve their martial arts game. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. Without without simply you know telling them how to kick higher or or punch harder. Um, so 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 you're a valuable resource, and I and and I'm I'm looking forward to the the people in our community. Uh, getting in touch with you and hopefully benefiting from from your wisdom and from your knowledge. Yeah, absolutely, man. I definitely uh, appreciate the invite on the podcast. I went back and listened to some a couple episodes uh, prepping for this, and uh, you guys definitely have a a good show. So you, again, you can you know tell who's full of it and who actually knows what they're doing uh, when you hear it. Thank you. And you guys are definitely well, on that front uh, as well. Thank so. you. Thank you so much. We have a, and we have a great uh, we have a really a, a great audience and and we try to bring them uh, quality programming. So I'm really proud to be able to uh, have this conversation with you. So Dan Mason, I want to thank you for joining Taekwondo Life Magazine today. We wish you first of all, first and foremost, we wish you uh, ha- much happiness and success in your in your marital journey in the upcoming year. But certainly, uh, uh, great uh, health and happiness in in all that you're doing. Uh, competitively and and sport wise, and we look forward to following your your journey, and and please keep us informed of uh, exciting highlights in your career, and we'll be certain to we'll be certain to share them with uh, our audience. Man, absolutely, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you very much, and have a great day. You too. With spending time in training and working on the podcast and the magazine, it is difficult for me sometimes to get out to the store or the supermarket, and when that occurs. I always rely on Instacart. A friend of mine introduced me to Instacart about a year ago, and it has really changed the way that I shop. I go on the computer or on my phone. I have multiple stores to choose from in the neighborhood. I can select all of my products for delivery, and it'll give me other alternative products based upon my preferences, and it's really, really a helpful tool towards making your life a heck of a lot easier. No more worrying about trying to find parking at the supermarket or standing in line at the checkout counter. You can just do all of it from your computer. It'll help you save money by giving you suggestions on deals and by providing you alternative products. And shoppers will hand select your products They'll bag them up neatly, and that they'll deliver them within a specified delivery window. I have never had a problem with the products, the groceries, or the service from Instacart. And if you follow the show notes and you let Instacart know that we sent you, 
They'll provide you free delivery on your first order of over $35. I highly recommend it. And I think that it, for me, has been one of the life-changing services that I've gotten involved with. I'm not a guy who does a lot of internet shopping, but this is something I don't like to be without. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.